Before we start the show, I got to give you guys the inside scoop on the best electrician in town. That's right. It is Piper Electric. They've been around for over 35 years, and they're also the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contracting companies in the Denver community. Best part is if you call 202-646-6765, Piper Electric will hook you up with the DNVR back to school special, and you will save 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small, so don't forget to call our friends over at Piper Electric. Let's start the show. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Scott. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dom two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast presented by the one and only Breckenridge Brewery. And I got to tell you guys about this awesome event coming up. Never Summer's opening day celebration at Punchbowl Social November 9th. Breckenridge Brewery is teaming up with them. And according to their website, they're saying never November brings winter and winter brings snow. And here in the Rockies, snow brings speed, adrenaline and a damn good time. And we all love damn good beers and a damn good time. And so be sure to check out that event. It is on the breckbrew.com website if you want to learn more. They give away awesome snowboards and it's just a fun night to go party. So be sure to check that out. It is Never Summer's opening day celebration at Punchbowl November 9th. And I believe that opening day that they're referencing would be uh, for skiing and snowboarding. Is that, is that right? I, mean, I was a little November, confused. For a I don't think it is baseball opening day. <laughs> well, but Drew just got yeah. really excited. Yeah, I was over like, that. "What? No, that's not right. That's not right." <laughs> no one's drinking. Oh no, you have oh, yeah. a Breck uh, Brew open. Rudo's. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't think I've been in this office when Rudo has not had a beer <laughs> in his hand. Uh, <laughs> Pretty accurate. That's, yeah, that's true. Always beer. In I beer. have I have a good excuse for the abs to drink this week. So. <laughs> well. All right. Well, with well, that, things have changed rather should. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Rudo here, Ryan Konigsberg, Harrison Wind, Drew Creaseman, Andre Simone on the board, and super weather reporter intern Kale on the live. Let's just jump right in and talk about why why you're drinking. Yeah. You're sad, Rudo. Um, not exactly clear what happened yet. I. I suspect it will never be truly <laughs> clear what actually happened. <laughs> but unsolved conspiracy, yeah. Oh, that was one of yeah. the greatest shows of all time. Yes, it was. <laughs> Objectively. <laughs> well, bring it back and we can investigate how Landis Gog now has a lower body injury that's keeping him out indefinitely. Um, really weird. Nobody knows. He was seen on Instagram, you know, partying at the Avs Halloween party thing. Hmm. Looked just fine. And then next thing we know... He's out, and it sounds like it's going to be longer than week to week, like Rantanen is. 
ban Halloween parties forever. Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't I don't know how this team keeps getting injured off the ice, but they seem to have a knack for it. Tyson Berry did it a couple of years ago as well, wrestling in a hotel room. So some pretty as interesting one does. things go on. Yeah. I, I gotta say, regardless of what these injuries are, the fact that NHL teams don't have to say what the specific injury yeah. is, nor do <laughs> they have to say like how long they expect them to be out or anything like that is absolutely ridiculous. It is. It, it like, what really, are we even doing here? <laughs> it really bugs me that Jared Bednar can walk up like three days after the injury has happened to be like, well, I still haven't really talked to the trainers. Yeah, right. We'll see. <laughs> right. And it's like, come on, man, you know. Although I have always said, and this applies in the NBA too, the fact that the coaches are this um, like spokesperson for team injuries is kind of ridiculous in its own right. It is. Like, how do we expect these guys to really talk like it, like scientifically about these injuries? It's a bit much, I think. You you would know as Dr. Harrison on <laughs> the NBA show yeah. and all of our Nuggets previews. Like, I feel like. <laughs> The team doctor should at right, least put just out have a statement and, and just refer to that statement. The fact that the coach have to answer questions about injuries is a little weird to me still. It, but, but the organization is. like is always afraid of putting more people in the public eye. You know, yeah. like they just want to have as few voices right. out there as possible because then no one can say something that goes against the company line. Yeah, I think it just should be a statement from the team medical staff and everything you just refer back to the statement. I don't think that would complicate things. That's a great idea. Yeah. And then thank, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So not only is Landis Gog out for. A long term, it seems like. Then during practice the next day, Colin Wilson left the ice early, and following it was immediately ruled out for tonight's game, at least, and potentially more. So the Avs lose two forwards in the matter of 48 hours, ranting in. Actually, the prognosis is looking good on him, but he's still at least a couple games away. So they went from having 14 forwards to having 11 over the weekend, basically. Mm-hmm. And they ended up calling up Jason Megna, which is fine. I, I, probably not the player I would have picked, but he certainly has earned his opportunity. And I don't. The lineup is going to be an absolute mess tonight. I have no idea what to expect. Everyone's going to play with everyone. McKinnon's probably going to play like thirty minutes just nice. to care and try and carry the team because that's what they're going to need. Do you think it'll start off with Kadri and Donskoy on that first line with McKinnon? I think Kadri for sure mm-hmm. just makes sense. They've played very well together on the power play. They're already clicking a bit, and he's just the most offensively talented player left on the team. Uh, Donskoy and Burakovsky is kind of a toss-up. Pick one, throw mm-hmm. it on there. It wouldn't surprise me to see everyone rotate through kind of like they did with Comfer the other game. The second line, I have honestly no idea what to expect. Uh, Jost will probably become the 2C, and then the Wings will – who knows? So how do you think they'll play tonight against the Florida Panthers? They beat them once. They did. Um, On the road. Florida is an interesting team because they have a lot of offensive firepower, but I've never really believed in their defense a ton. They have Aaron Eckblad, who first overall pick has never quite become what everyone hoped he would. So I expect a decent game, a competitive game. <laughs> But it's just all going to come down to McKinnon. If McKinnon goes beast mode and puts up two, three goals, the Avs will win. If McKinnon has been the player that he's been so far this season where he'll get his point but not really heavy impact, it's going to be tough. I think the Avs are going to play really well tonight. That's my uh, that's my prediction here. It could Look, it could go that way. That does happen, especially in hockey where they lose a bunch mm-hmm. of players and everyone just comes in and plays super loose and doesn't worry about it, and they, no. they end up dominating the first game. 
but if Rantanen was back, I think I would have a lot more faith in that happening. McKinnon playing with two wingers that he has not played much with. He's We've already seen in preseason, if it's Burakovsky, he does not trust him on his wing. He's not super willing to feed him the puck. And the depth scoring is going to take a big hit. You lose three forwards. They're all three wingers, so it's a little bit awkward. But it essentially just moves everyone up a line. And that makes the competition they have to play against significantly tougher. And it's it's really hard to produce in that scenario. Well, some good news. Miko Rantanen was on the ice yesterday skating around. So that's something. It He's is. still unavailable, but... I Yeah, I, you know, if this was game 82 and playoff, you win and you make the playoffs, I'm sure Rantanen would be playing. Mm-hmm. Not 100% by any means, and there's no reason for the Avs to rush him. They have that cushion they've gotten in the early part of the season. Let him get back to where he's ready to play fully, and then he can step back in and, and start helping the team again. And look, the Avs' depth is decent this year. It's good enough that you're not looking at all of these injuries and going, okay, well, the next five games are automatic losses. They still should be in them. You would like to see them win the home games, at least. If they can go 500 by taking the games at home, they'll be okay. So they're 8-3-1 eight, eight, and one right now? 8-2-1. Eight, 8-2-1, and, one. Eight, two and one. okay. At what point, like, where do they have to get before you're going to start panicking? Um, they If they rattle off a losing streak of four or five in a row, once they start approaching 500 again, that's when you really start to worry. Um, it, I again. So that, I mean, but that shows you just how big this cushion they have. Yeah, is. no, like, it's massive. They should be able to, you know, get some puck luck in a game and exactly. and win a couple of these. Exactly. They don't have to be great if they can just hang around 500 and keep this bit of a cushion that they have. They'll be all right, and then Ranton will come back. Then you need to take another step. Wilson probably not going to be out long term. Take another small step. We'll see with Landis Gog. They might just have to manage that for the rest of the season. I don't know. Do you have any prediction on that? Like, I, it could be really anything. Absolutely <laughs> see, anything. See, this is my thing. I know, right? <laughs> no, I know. In the NBA or in Major League Baseball, they will literally come out and be like, so what happened was David Dahl was taking batting practice, and he had a, a feeling in this part of his body, and then we thought it was his back, but then it turned out to be the third rib down on the left side, and he's going to be out exactly this amount of time, and if there's any change to that, we'll come back and tell you. <laughs> it's like, And Bud Black would get asked questions about it every single day, back to your point. So it's just weird that in hockey they're like, it's in the lower part. Yeah. It could literally well, be anything from like, where does the lower body start? The waist? I believe so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Come on, Dr. Harrison. Dr. Harrison. They do have morning skate going on right now, basically. So we'll probably know more before tonight's game. But it could literally be anything yeah, from like a sprained like, pinky toe to he had his leg amputated. Really no idea at well, all. Well, he was <laughs> wow. partying, though. Yeah, well, he was jumping up and down. I mean, at least in that video, he is. He looks okay. What I was, I was saying is, you know, maybe he, maybe the way I could see it is maybe he got hurt during one of those games. There was something was off. Then he went celebrated Halloween, had some drinks, numbed the pain. Then you're not as smart with your pain, 
or you're like, oh, I We've can all do been this. There. Exactly. Yeah. Way too much speculation. I love you're this. like, I can do this, There's and like then six he was layers careless. to this conspiracy. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Get your tinfoil uh, hat out of here. Tell me this isn't the most likely scenario for every one of us that's been to a Halloween party. And then you're like, oh, then the next morning you wake up and you're like, here's here's how you flip this though, Rudo, because this happened to the Nuggets at the beginning of last season when Will Barton and Gary Harris went down two like key contributors to the starting lineup. Denver was a good enough team, and I think the Avs are a good enough team where they can, you know, play 500 hockey. Yes, exactly. A little bit above 500 hockey. But what happened with the Nuggets last year is like Jamal Murray took that responsibility on his shoulders and was like, all right. I got to be the guy right now. And he kind of established himself as that second cornerstone. So is another Avs guy going to shoulder that responsibility yeah. and step up? That's the the light that this could bring. And, and that absolutely comes down to Tyson Jost and Andre Burakovsky. Burakovsky has played very, very well so far through the season. But can he take it to another gear? Can he be a top-line player? And then Tyson Jost, he's found himself as a center in the Avs lineup, but... There's a big difference between being a third-line center and a top-six center. My it, guy looked lost against the Ducks, though. Am I wrong? The, like, the whole team looked I, lost the, It was a game. sloppy game, but I felt like Burra in particular, I was like, man, what are you doing? That happens like, on back-to-backs. Decision-making, yeah. I just felt like beyond like Don't the get me started on back-to-backs again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. going off. We Ryan should has throw some down takes about on back-to-backs. the back-to-back I think that's mentality. A, I think we should talk about that. Go we should. for yeah. it. All right. Well, the Nuggets were also on a back-to-back last night, True. played the Dallas Mavericks, and lost. The Avs were on a back-to-back on Saturday against the Anaheim Ducks, and they lost. This is going to be the conspiracy episode, just so people <laughs> yeah. know. Mine wasn't really that much of a conspiracy. Everyone's been well, drunk and kind of hurt we've themselves. We've got conspiracies up the gazoo in Denver today, Allie, so be ready. <laughs> all right. All I, all I was saying is that I think – that the back the the narrative that surrounds back to back, which essentially just excuses anything that happens in that game, is weak. And I and I think that these guys mentally um, go down more than they actually physically go down. And it's like if you win the front half of the back to back, then the next game is almost just like a bonus game, and everyone approaches it with a different uh, approach. If you lose the first half of the back to back, then you have like a desperation in the second half of the back to back. I just think. Everyone's like, oh, back-to-back, it just happens. And I think that these guys who literally dedicate their entire lives of just being in shape to play their sports aren't actually that affected by playing it two two times in a row. I mean, you can use the same argument against it, though, because they're playing against players that have done the same thing. They've spent their entire lives preparing for this. And I don't know if this was the case for the Nuggets or not, but for the Avs, the second half of the back-to-back is a travel day for them. They fly in to a team that is rested and waiting for them. And that little bit of difference is sometimes all it takes. I agree. A certain part of it is 100% a mental thing. I agree, too. But it does matter. They're, they can be as fit as possible, but if they're 99% and the other team's 100 sometimes that's enough to make the difference. That's fair enough. I, I think it's a big mental thing. I think you're onto something there. Like, the word back-to-back, like, that means, oh, you know, we're going to be really tired. You feed into that. But... um. I did a back-to-back last year myself, covering games. <laughs> Houston, Miami, uh, oh, that back-to-back. That's brutal. Wow. I was dead tired during that Miami game the next night, and I didn't even have to play. So um, I can only imagine what you know guys are feeling who play 30 minutes a game. I can agree with that being a mental thing, especially because the Nuggets went 17-1 and last year on back-to-backs. They had 
that mentality. Twelve and that, one, I think it was. No, wasn't it seventeen one? Yeah, I, th- I don't think it was that many actual back-to-backs. I think it was twelve and one or something like that. I read a stat this morning that said seventeen to one, but well, it's been a okay. typo. <laughs> Maybe, but still, I mean, they did so well on back-to-backs because they didn't let that mentality get to them. Also, also because, because their they, best player never exerts any energy. And they have the, won the best bench in the league, at least right. last year. Right, depth. I don't know about this year. I do think that I've always felt, especially in the NBA, like the the endurance part of it is one of the least. I, I feel this way about Major League Baseball, but it's a completely different type of endurance. But it's, it's the thing that the casual fan doesn't see as much. I was always super impressed when AI got traded to the Nuggets and he would come and play – like 90% of the game, and you would see almost no drop-off in his production. He played every single minute of a double overtime game. I think he still holds the record for most minutes played for the Denver Nuggets. And I remember George Carl afterwards saying, I was looking for any drop-off to take him out, and it just never happened. And that's a skill that not everybody has. In fact, most guys don't. And I think like Rudo said, you're exerting yourself – to such an extent the it, it's weird because the direct comparison for me in baseball is not actually the number of games they play in a row it's the number of pitches a guy throws and there's a, a lot of like battle back and forth between you know should guys nobody throws a hundred or more pitches anymore and there's all these old school guys it's like and and they always when they argue with me it's like why can't they throw more than 100 pitches why can't they and it's like they can and dude could play more than 35 minutes a game but like rudo said once you hit that pitch 85-90, you start to become less effective. And so the question is, is 100% of the reliever or the guy off of the bench going to be a better play for us since the other guys are also bringing their guys off of the bench? If they're at 100% endurance and we're at 80, no matter how good we are, well, they're yeah. professionals and too. Even without back-to-backs, the hockey, basketball is an 82-game season. You physically cannot give 100% in every single game. It will destroy your body, and right. you will break down physically and have to go on IR or be injured or whatever. Right. So even you'll see games that clearly the team just takes the night off, and it's disappointing, but you just have to accept that as, like, nobody's going to go 82-0. you got to hold it together a little bit and, and win the games that matter and take your rest where you can get it and i think that's why the nba has started with the load management stuff it's like okay well instead of you know having half of our players mentally taking the night off let's just actually give them the night off call it a schedule loss and and just move on yeah i mean they're just playing the long game in that sense right like, yep. Thanks, regular Greg season Popovich. the regular season is really just one big tune-up for the playoffs <laughs> you know that's what i realized last year regular season who cares you know who, who cares what happens just bank enough wins and get to the postseason do you think that's how nicola is feeling right now um <laughs> I th- maybe uh i got a lot of theories about i what mean he's he had a triple right double now. last night but yeah, I don't know. The Nuggets have been. A f- I love that they're we winning. Can complain about right. triple doubles. I know. Was it a good the triple double? The Nuggets have been winning. Uh, like they're three and one, but they they've been ugly wins. And last yeah. night was another ugly game. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Jokic, I hate to play body language doctor, but I'm going to because <laughs> I feel like that's we can pick up stuff with that when we're around these guys enough. And he seemed like you know he was pouting last night during timeouts on the bench, even you know when he wasn't in the game. Everybody's standing up to be in that huddle. He's the only one sitting down at the end of the bench, you know, in that last chair in the very corner. He was kind of pouting. It just didn't seem like he was in the game. It seemed like he wanted to be anywhere but on that court last night. 
you know, that's that's been a thing with him over the last couple of years. We've seen that. And it just, you know, he's not over that quite yet. Why was he pouting last night, though? Like, what do you th- what could you speculate that it it's, was? It's the million dollar question. Or I think three and oh. I think most of the times he's felt this way. A lot of the time he's trying to send a message, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, my best guess is that he's not happy with how the offense looks right now. And, um, I mean, the starters have been fine. Denver's been winning games. Like you said, they've been winning ugly. But, you know, the offense just hasn't been clicking, hasn't been running uh, like I think he thinks it could be. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think his frustration is coming from. And, um, yeah, I think he just was trying to, I don't know, make a point last night. But um, he was visibly frustrated, I thought, at least. That's I think there are a lot of parallels to McKinnon there, and it's interesting to see how the two players kind of react to the same situation. You have him pouting a bit on the bench and things like that, whereas McKinnon in practice gets extremely frustrated and starts throwing stuff and is, like, actively angry about it. I prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, both have their drawbacks, I think, but... It's just crazy. I feel like the Nuggets never remembered at the end of last season when they were just like backing their way into the playoffs and everyone was like, where, like what happened to that team that was just hitting on all cylinders? Yeah. It feels like to me they never got out of that. Like they, they, they hit their stride a little bit in the playoffs, obviously won, won that Spurs series, but it was never pretty. And then the whole Portland series was ugly. And now we've started the season and I still feel like they're still stuck in that. I don't even know what it is, but it feels like they've never got back to – where they were at one point last season where they looked like, you know, a juggernaut. It's crazy. Adam said this on the podcast last night, and I totally agree. But the Nuggets offense, uh, we've talked about it this so much, but it's so free-flowing. It's like this democratic offense with so much ball movement and player movement. It seems like the offense has gotten worse over the last couple years, even though the talent level has increased. And I think that happens naturally sometimes because – you know, Gary Harris is a better ISO player now than he was two years ago. Same with guys like Will Barton, same with guys like Jamal Murray. But just the entire flow of the Nuggets offense, you know, it's never gotten back to that level it was in like 2016, like the first year Jokic really came on the scene. Well, in a sense, you it's self-explanatory, right? It used to be a super democratic. Now as hierarchies start to build, it's harder to yeah. keep those, you know, everyone yeah. is equal. When you and have that no naturally choice. happens. That right. naturally happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you have that no choice but to play as a full team offensive game compared to, well, now we can lean on our stars a little bit more. Sometimes the stars are going to go off, but when it comes back to that depth, you're not in that rhythm as a team. And look, I think the Nuggets are fine. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think they're fine. <laughs> they're, they're three and three one. And one. Yeah. <laughs> they can play a C minus game and still beat half the league. Uh, but if I had to pinpoint one area like where I think Jokic was frustrated last night, I think it's because the offense just isn't running as smoothly as he thinks it could be running. But, I mean, we did the same thing with the Avs when they lost, and we're doing the same thing with the Nuggets. Because of their success and because of their ceiling and their potential, we can be critical on these moments. They are doing really well. They are 3-1. and one. The Avs at that point were 7-1-1, um, and one, and yet – everyone knows and they know that they can do so much better which is an exciting time in denver to be able to do that yeah well it's something i brought up uh after game one when we were on the podcast which is this we're grading them against themselves now and what we think they can be which is um different from normal because now we we have these aspirations for both teams which is pretty much compete for a championship and that's great but because of that it makes us 
it forces us to be hypercritical and say, well, we know that if the Nuggets are going to win a championship, they have to get to that full, you know, running like a machine level offense. And until we see it, it's going to cause us concern because we're not thinking of this one game in a vacuum. We're thinking of the, the larger the sample. Yeah. And, and I mean, last night it, it wasn't really the offense like 100%. The defense was the reason why they lost last night. But when it comes to Jokic, how he plays on the offensive end definitely impacts the effort he's going to give out defensively. And if he's not feeling the way Denver's playing on offense, you know, he's not going to be totally there on the defensive end of the floor, which I think is what we saw last night with you know, the starters. Uh, okay, but the bench especially was terrible defensively. So despite the terrible bench defense, does MPJ help? Yep. If you put MPJ in the lineup, does that get the offense to where Jokic wants it? That's the question all fans are wondering yeah, right now. Yeah, that's, that's the million-dollar question, right, or another one of those. Um, my Nuggets thing- are getting expensive. <laughs> <laughs> With MPJ, I think he should be playing right now at least a little bit. I think Denver's making a mistake by not playing him. And uh, would he help the offense and, and, I don't know, play with Jokic and and make that flow better? I think he would because he's like a player that fits perfectly in Denver's system. He should be a great cutter. He's got a really high basketball IQ, I think, knows how to move within the offense. So so tall that Jokic can hit him on, like, every angle on cuts to the basket. So I think he'd definitely help – you know, that movement with the offense, or he could. But defensively, I don't know how much he's going to help there. And that was the problem last night, and that's why he's not playing right now. Uh, if I had to guess what Michael Malone is thinking, Porter's not playing right now because he's behind defensively. It, it makes sense. There were so many easy baskets in that, what was it, 12-4 run that kind of flipped the game on its head. Yeah. That was frustrating to watch. So that that is one thing. But since we're having conspiracies today, I'm going to decide <laughs> okay. that uh, – Jokic is protesting that MPJ isn't playing. <laughs> That's why he's upset. But hey. with but with that, before before last night, their defense, Jamal Murray said their defense was their anchor. Yeah. And offensively, they were still playing sloppy. So I, I understood Malone starting the season with, we're going to go with our guys, and mm-hmm. I'm going to go with those guys. But why not that second or third game put MPJ in for a little bit to see if he could spark some more offense? And – but. Of course, yesterday it was more of a defense, so it's understandable to not have for seen energy, play spark yesterday. some energy. Exactly, yeah. I, I can see where Michael Malone's coming from, though. Like he is a defensive guy at his core. He, he, you know, any coach. All right, I want to get out to a great start at the beginning of the season. Let's establish ourselves as a defensive team. You know, we can do that with Tory Craig. He's helped us do that in the past. How how many coaches in any league are offensive coaches right. and head right. coaches? Right. right, even Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. I bet on media day. He's He's like, we're going to be a defensive first team. That's how we're going to win. <laughs> Defense and rebounding. Yeah. But I can see where Malone's coming from because he wants to establish that out of the gate. And last year, Denver went from a bottom 10 defense to a top 10 defense. And that was a huge reason why they won 54 games. So I get where Malone's coming from uh, from that perspective. Um, but I think Porter, especially on the second night of a back-to-back, should have gotten in there uh, for at least a couple minutes just to see what he could do. It's kind of what we've been saying, you know, every single day on the DNVR Broncos podcast about Drew Locke. It's a different situation, but it's the same idea of he's going to have to learn at some point. Why not do it now? Like for the Broncos, it's why not do it now because they're completely out of the race for the Nuggets. It's why not do it now because the games are never going to be as 
I don't know if the word is meaningless, but they only get bigger as the season goes on. Right. And, and here's another thing from Malone's perspective. Like, he wants to get out to this really good start, and Denver will, I think, regardless of who they play, because their schedule over these mm-hmm. first couple weeks is just really easy. Um, but I, I think this is a great time to get Porter into this thing because Denver is has such a high floor, and I was talking about this when I was speaking about the Avs injuries, but they have such a high floor where they can play like a C-minus game and still win. Like at the beginning of the season, this is when you can afford to experiment with some things. And uh, Michael Mullen talked about this at Media Day. They're not prepping for an 82-game season. They're prepping for a 110-game season. And so you want to get Porter into this thing just to see what he can do, you know, to, to know if he can help you out long term. And I think at the beginning of the season, during an easy time in the schedule, it is a good period to do that in. Do you think he was just going until they failed and then they lost a game? So now it's kind of like, okay, well, we lost. Let's readjust. I I think that's what it does take ultimately with the Nuggets. We've seen that over the last couple of years. They're going to roll with their guys as long as they're winning, no matter how ugly it is. (laughs) They're going to roll with those guys before they make any changes. I don't think one loss is enough to change things. I think Mm -hmm. they're going to stick with the same thing. I don't expect Porter to be in the regular rotation against New Orleans or maybe even Orlando, these next two road games here coming up. I think it would probably take them dropping those two uh, to to get some changes. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. I mean, I don't think that will happen. I mean, they should win (laughs) both those games, even with this current 10 man group. But I feel like even but then fans are like, well, obviously they want them to win, but they also want to see Michael Porter Jr. So it's such a hard position to be in as a fan. You obviously want your team to win and not lose so that you could see MPJ. But you want to see hey, MBJ. Look, if the Nuggets don't want to play him, the Avs suddenly need bodies. <laughs> and yeah, right. Their power play <laughs> does need someone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they need someone who cuts to the hole on their power plays. <laughs> I, I will say, though, for fans wanting to see him right now, mm-hmm. it's a long season. Yeah. 82 games is a long time. There's going to be injuries. Even if he's not inserted into the rotation – know when Denver's fully healthy there will be an injury I guarantee you at some point that you know makes him you know that that vaults him into the rotation I would say all right well let's take a break before we talk about the good old Broncos Um, I got to tell you guys about Total Bev's incredible 30% off deal that they are giving specifically to the DNVR family. 30% off your purchase of $75 or more using the code DNVR2019 online or on their Total Beverage app. They've got everything you could imagine, everything you're looking for, including CBD products. And if you get overwhelmed, don't worry. Their incredible staff members will help you find exactly what you want or their app is really easy to navigate. Don't forget to use the promo code DNVR2019 for that 30% off. Um, Harrison, you called it at the beginning of the season. Are you full in on tank mode now for the Broncos? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah. Second game in, you're like, I was in it after two weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Ryan, how do you feel about it? Well, this is what I like to call the unintentional tank. <laughs> uh, it's a bit more embarrassing, Oops. but yeah. it does the same job. Uh, if they weren't tanking with Joe Flacco, they don't have the option now. They're they're rolling Brandon Allen out there, and uh, the football gods are just like doing the Broncos a solid and saying like, oh. No, honey. Like, you are tanking. (laughs) Don't worry. Um, So that's where we're at. Funny enough is the Browns are really bad. They are super poorly coached. They're super undisciplined. They have no offensive line. And I truly think the Broncos could accidentally trip their way into a win this week. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) But 
for all intents and purposes, they are tanking now, whether they like it or not. And it's uh, it's unfortunate they weren't able to get anything done for some of these veterans in terms of a mm-hmm. trade, because you'd like to see them start stacking up on on draft capital. But I guess they didn't get the offer they were looking for in the end. You know, Chris Harris Jr. is probably going to net them a compensatory pick in two years anyway. So you get Chris for the rest of the year and some of these other guys, which I think from a fan perspective, some are probably happy about that. But yeah, this is the old uh, unintentional tank. Um, for anyone or everyone who doesn't know who Brendan Allen is, can you just give <laughs> right. a little Well, first of all, it's Brandon. <laughs> oh, Brandon. <laughs> You're just like, let's start with go. that. Let's I'm start like with that. I'm like a specific media member calling Brad Allen. I was just going <laughs> to say, Mike Kless called him Brad Allen. So if it starts with a B, we're going to let you get away with it. Um, Big Bob Allen fan I am. Big. <laughs> I, Brandon uh, Allen. Who sure. is he? Brandon Allen. He is a quarterback. <laughs> okay. He wears number two. He kind of looks like Paxton Lynch a lot. He really uh, looks just, like Paxton Just in terms Lynch. of his facial features oh. uh, and haircut and beard. Um, <laughs> he went to Arkansas. He had a pretty decent career there. He has been in the NFL for four years now, just wow. kind of bouncing around being a journeyman. And his preseason stats are very, very, very underwhelming. As he's thrown six touchdowns to 11 interceptions. He's nailed it. Oh, wow. I read he's never taken a stat, a snap in a regular season. That game. is correct. Okay. First well, NFL start. I wonder if there's uh, ever been a team in, and technically Joe Flacco is still on the roster, so it doesn't really matter, but ever been a team in week nine or later that had a roster of quarterbacks that had never taken a snap because their backup this week, Brett Rippon, is an undrafted rookie who also has never taken a snap in an NFL game. And neither has their third backup, Drew Locke. And Drew isn't active anyway. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, the whole roster. Once they put, once they come to their senses and put Joe Flacco on IR, um, they will have zero snaps as a as a quarterback room. Andre, you want to add anything to my uh, Brandon Allen assessment? Read the film room. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he has a film room. Andre on did. It. Andre gave you the essential. If you want to know who Brandon Allen is, article and it's free. So if you aren't a DNVR subscriber, which you should be, um, you can read that one and get an idea of how in-depth we go, where we tell you everything you could possibly know about Brandon Allen. And backup quarterback is the best job in the world right up until the moment this happens. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the greatest. And then you're looking for a new job next year. Right. Four (laughs) years of being in the NFL, getting your paycheck, showing up to practice, and then sitting on the bench every Sunday (laughs) or Monday. Just nice, cozy gig. Yeah. And then this happens, and it's the scariest moment of your entire and then you, life, and I would then have you, to imagine. And then you have to go stand behind Garrett Bowles as Miles Garrett oh, is trying to run by him. Oh, just <laughs> since since Welcome this is NFL. a conspiracy podcast, oh boy. Ryan, yes. why don't you tell us what you think of Joe Flacco's injury after huh. his criticism over the offense and everything that's going on right now in good old Dove Valley. I would absolutely, positively love to believe that the uh, the Mile High Mafia put a hit out on Joe Flacco for running his mouth. Unfortunately, he's pretty severely injured. Uh, his He has a herniated disc in his neck that is real. After the game, uh, May says that he couldn't even really move, like he couldn't really move his neck at all. Well, during the game, he was getting his neck looked at yeah, and like, so chiropractic awkward. work on the sideline. Yeah, that was such a weird game. It, it was so weird. <laughs> So, yeah, he was getting chiropractic work on the sideline. Then after the game, he was, you know, he could hardly move. And anyone who's ever hurt themselves in here in that type of way knows that if it hurts 
right after it happens, the amount it hurts the day after is going to be like 10 times that. So, yeah, he's definitely injured. Um, as for Drew Locke, I just think, you know, I, I, I've come to terms with this this morning that before the season they said no matter what, does not matter what happens, we are not playing Drew Locke until week 13 against the Chargers. That is the earliest we will ever play him no matter what. And so despite everything pointing to the fact that they should have started practicing him two weeks ago and they should he should be starting this game this weekend, I think they just – they, you know, tried to really set a plan in stone and said, we are not going to go away from this because of fan pressure. We're not going to do it because of injuries. No matter what, Drew, the earliest he can go is week 13 against the Chargers at home. And, and I, there's something to be said for, hey, don't break the plan. There's another thing to be said for, like, come on, like, at least get him out there to practice. You know, mm -hmm. that's what we've been saying is, like, I get that they don't want to play him as the backup quarterback this week because – he hasn't practiced all season. You put him in there, Brandon Allen sprains his ankle on the first play of the game. All of a sudden, Drew Locke is your starting quarterback with no preparation. But there's no reason to not be practicing him. So mm. in hockey, they don't have to tell you what the injury is. But in football, they don't have to tell you when the players are actually healthy. Is that the deal? Well, no, because <laughs> Drew Locke is healthy. I mean, Drew Locke has been healthy for a while. Um, he said yesterday, I feel great. I feel healthy. Whenever they're ready, I'm ready. He also said yesterday that he's been 100% med medically cleared for two weeks. And it could even go back further than that. Then, of course, John Elway says today he's just not physically ready yet. So Is he just in terrible shape or something? Like, is he fat? Did he put on, like, 30 pounds during this rehab? <laughs> I mean, even if that was the case, wouldn't he get back into shape by practicing? practicing? <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, what's the harm in throwing on some shoulder bats and letting some balls rip? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How about um, the conspiracy that John Elway just doesn't want any quarterback for the Broncos to be better than him? Well, he went and got Peyton like Manning, that. so that yeah. would go against that. But maybe Peyton Manning like but, threatened but, his legacy just enough. I was gonna. There's no, but no, no, no. There's no way Peyton Manning was ever going to be a greater Denver Bronco quarterback right. than John Elway. He I only mean, had a couple of they, years left. They should have won three Super Bowls. So. You, Oops! He could have. Oops! <laughs> he could have unseated him, but no. Uh, John Elway is way too competitive to do anything but like try and help the Broncos win. In all seriousness, and that's why we're accidentally tanking now. Yes, <laughs> that's why it's an accidental tank. You're right, and not a, and purposeful, not a purposeful, purposeful one. Yeah, exactly. So or maybe it's just a really tactical, purposeful tank to make us think it's an accidental tank. I watched the second half of that game, and I'm, I'm just here to ask for an apology. What even? The, no, I mean that was one <laughs> of that penalty at the end too. Like, you can only say so much about Vaughn not getting the safety. Like he's great. He is what he is. That guy wriggled out of the way. Well, and the dude's hand warmer came off. Like he grabbed onto his hand warmer, and it just ripped off. Right. Just crazy play that that. that could have been the game right there, but that was one of the dumbest penalties I've ever seen in my entire life. Like the guy's all—he's running out of—he's given himself up. He's out of bounds. He didn't have to touch him. I mean, usually you push the guy out to make sure he doesn't make a cut there. There was no chance of him coming back. That you're—you're you're taking victory from the jaws of defeat. No, the other way around. <laughs> defeat. Yeah, yeah, defeat from the jaws. Of, that yeah, was a I mean, defeat from the jaws of victory moment. You just hand them the football game right there. Yeah, that's a tough one to swallow. Um, but it's also a play that usually coaches 
don't mind it you know they call it like a heat of the moment penalty or whatever like it's not a pre-snap it's not because he was you know jawing after the play or punching someone like he was just trying to get the guy down and he just did it in an illegal way unfortunately have the broncos Riddle. scored more than 20 points what once this season once this season they have uh gone now 17 games so more than a full season of football without scoring more than 24 points and over half of the almost half of the NFL averages 24 points a game. So that's where we're at. And that's that's that courtesy of my guy Zach Bai. And they've also lost now 3 games this season by 2 yeah. points. On a last second two field points. goal, right? That's on a drive that was aided by yeah. a 15-yard penalty. Something stupid. Yeah. Very frustrating team right now. Yeah, and and someone in the press room yesterday said, uh, you know, jokingly, how will the Brandon Allen era be remembered? And I said, well, it'll be remembered by the draft pick they end up getting, you know, and and if they go and lose, you know, a couple straight here, and then Drew Lock comes in, they win a couple more, they're probably still going to have uh, a top ten pick locked in. The goal of the rest of the season has to be to just get a general idea of Drew Lock. And so I, I do feel like he will start that week 13 game against the Chargers. If he doesn't, tune into the DNVR Broncos podcast. <laughs> gonna be spicy. We will lose our collective minds together. But um, if if he gets in there, you just want to know, do we need to select yeah. a quarterback with our top five pick or can we build with this guy? And, you know, probably the best player in college football right now is Chase Young at Ohio State. Like if Drew Locke shows you that he can be the guy – there's a chance that you could you could end up with you know Chase Young because so many teams are quarterback needy. So you need to find out. Otherwise, you have you have to take a quarterback. Like you're never going to get this thing right until you have your quarterback. I'm pretty confident in Drew Locke. Uh, I like his mental makeup. I like the way he plays. He's not a finished product by any means, but you just have to. And you're not going to know everything about him. But you you get a, you can have a feeling if you watch a guy start four games in the NFL. Is this guy going to cut it or is he not? Michael Porter Jr. and uh, Drew Locke went to Mizzou. I think were they there? The Both are true time? sons, as they call them in mm-hmm. Columbia. From from Missouri, played at Missouri, went to high yep. school in Missouri. Fun little fact, um, Ryan. You wrote a great article. You did your homework over the weekend watching college football. If the Broncos were to draft a quarterback, who do you think they would draft based on the prospects right now? And do you think it's something about changing the offensive scheme? That's my biggest problem with this whole scenario is the way that, you know, I, I keep using this example and, and people are probably making fun of me of it because everyone knows I love these two guys. But Cliff Kingsbury goes into Arizona, puts in the air raid offense, drafts Kyler Murray, makes it makes life super easy on him. And the Cardinals aren't great, but they have more wins than the Broncos and they're averaging 24 points a game, which is a respectable number for an offense. And that's just because they they took a quarterback out of college and gave him a very easy offense to execute. It's the same offense that he ran when he was in college. The Broncos, one of the Broncos' big problems, in my opinion, is that they're taking these guys out of college who almost all are coming out of spread systems and trying to stick them in, you know, the West Coast system that John Elway ran so well when he was a player, but is is outdated. And and you are seeing, you know, uh, Sean McVay and Kyle Kyle Shanahan have success with the West Coast offense, but my take on this is when it is run perfectly or close to it, it's one of the best offenses in in football that's possible to run. 
but it is very, very, very hard to get the right personnel, to get the right quarterback, to get the right offensive line, and get the right play caller to get all of those things going on all cylinders. I just think the Broncos, if they're going to take a quarterback in the first round, like why would you make purposefully make his life harder on him by making him you know, learn something that he's never done in his life. If you're going to take Justin Herbert, that's fine. He then put him in the offense that he can succeed most in. But unfortunately, John Elway is very married to this offense. And that's the whole reason why they went and got Rich Gangarello to be this offensive coordinator. Like they want to run this. And I think that is crazy in the long term, just because of uh, your guess. It's just a guessing game, which guy could possibly run this offense the best rather than what Arizona did, which was, Okay, we're bringing in Cliff Kingsbury. His offense caters to this player. We know that Kyler Murray runs the hell out of this offense. He just won the Heisman. Just put him in this offense and let him go. That makes sense to me. I mean, the best teams and best organizations shape their entire philosophies around their key players. The Broncos went to the playoffs and won a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers with Tim Tebow as quarterback. I watched him do it. It was super fun. And they threw out 75 to 80 percent of the playbook Mm -hmm. because that's what you should do. Like it's like a a major league baseball team that doesn't have the personnel being like, well, everyone's hitting home runs now. So we should all try to hit home runs. If you don't have any home run hitters or people in the NBA going, we should all shoot threes because everyone shoots threes now. It's like, well, our best players are interior players let's get the ball in the paint so yeah you always have to play to the strategy that your personnel makes the most sense to do during this uh, like launch angle revolution and all of that just at the beginning of it the kansas city royals won a world series off of singles and stealing bases and two one games and and bullpens which is like bunts yes all the things you cannot count on in baseball all the things they tell you not to do like rely on your bullpen bunt steel bases all that crap like don't It'd shift be like ever. the nuggets running the houston rockets offense with just jamal murray like going pick and roll every time like that right would not work you know long term right that would be really stupid <laughs> i i agree i mean basing off of my own experiences nick Foles and carson Wentz are very different quarterbacks and when the eagles were in the playoffs they completely changed their offense to fit completely Nick Foles and they went and won a Super Bowl and he won um, Super Bowl MVP so you you got to do that you got to fit your guy yeah and and that's again that's what I wrote about after the game it was just like this is silly to just keep trying to make this happen but John Elway has been very um, steadfast on this and he also has said like we need continuity so everyone who thinks that like Rich Gangrel is going to get fired after this year i really don't think that's going to happen. I think the goal is to have Rich Gangarello stay here long enough to the point where they, you know, hopefully in their minds could get to the point where Kyle Shanahan is now. Cause look, that's, you know, that's the model. And that, and that's why they went and got a guy from Kyle Shanahan's offense in Rich Gangarello to come run this. It's like, it took Kyle Shanahan four years to get that thing going. Now they scored 50 points last week. So the, the offense can work. I just think it's silly to be trying to go against what college is doing where you're seeing so many and to to add to that you're seeing Matt Moore in Kansas City execute that offense at a high level because it's quarterback friendly you saw Teddy Bridgewater come in for the Saints and go undefeated because that those offenses make life easy on the quarterbacks rather than making it tougher on them well the Broncos do play the Browns at home on Sunday and 
We're not sure how that game's going to go, but the tailgate beforehand is going to be a blast. So be sure to stop by Law N for our partner tailgate with Sons of Mile High. There's a lot of great food, great beer, and just you get to talk to all of us about all the Denver sports. So be sure to stop by. Um, first, whatever team puts a smile on your face is what matters because your smile and your teeth are important. And guess what? Our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. It's seriously that easy. All you got to do is take care of your teeth. Check them out today online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment. And by the end of it, you could get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Now on to our favorite segment of the show. Looking back at last week, can we all guess who won? <laughs> oh, but while we did two two abs. Yeah. What? Two abs, two nuggets. <laughs> we switched things up since there was oh. uh, uh, Ryan gave his argument for the nuggets gotcha, as well. Gotcha. And then Rudo and AJ gave separate arguments for the abs. So we split it up a little bit. But, of course, the abs so, still won. And it was Rudo who won. Jared Bednar for getting the abs off to their best start in abs history. Won by 39%. After that, we had Avalanche goaltending for being elite. Then Nikola Jokic because he's going to win MVP. And So your argument beat... Brendan's. Yes. <laughs> Brendan's was the Nuggets for starting one of the most anticipated anticipated seasons in franchise history. What do you think of that one, Harrison? I think it is the most anticipated season in franchise history for sure. It's why we're being so critical of them right. at three and it's one. Very true. Right. Yep. All right. Well, let me play my favorite song. Who did the most and who did the least? Who was the dog and who was the beast? Who's in the boat and who's up a creek? Let's see. Right. Who are we? Who wants to start this week? <laughs> Look at Drew's face. Drew's like, what am I talking Drew's about? Drew's like, why am I here? Yeah, who won? No, I, I got this a weird is the one. segment where I leave. Yeah, right. I, I can just walk out. Don't we? <laughs> we send it. Let no. Let's start with Rudo. We'll give him. We'll give do Drew. I, a time do I get to a winner's bonus? Oh yeah. What were we trying to do last? You just time? get thirty seconds to talk about whatever you want. Oh yeah. Whatever all you right. want to talk about. Uh, shout out to all the non-North American Avs fans. We had a New Zealand guy talk to us on the DNVR.com the other day. I saw on Reddit a guy from Australia bought the Finisher Miko shirt. And those guys are just incredible out there. I mean, they watch every single game at like 4 in the morning. And that takes some real dedication to be a fan of the Avs and, and live like that. I props to them that's all i got i want to i agree with all of our um out of out of the country subscribers i mean we have a bunch of broncos fans who do that a bunch of nuggets fans were up late for that 8 p.m um season opener they're they're all just diehards and that's why that's why we love you guys all right I'm i'm ready whenever all right, I was going to do one thing, but I'm oh, changing it Oh, you also have up. 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nathan McKinnon won the week because he's on an 11-game point streak, the longest streak to start a season of any Av ever. So despite him not playing his A game, as we've talked about so much, he's still setting records, and that's what the Avs need. That streak needs to become 15 games to get the Avs through with all these injuries that just went down, and McKinnon is absolutely capable of that, so... Well, let's see it now. Oh, Andre. <laughs> you texted me and it got in the way of the horn. Brutal. 
coming through with the assist. Yeah, that was an assist. Um, all right, Ryan, I I guess you can say why the Broncos won the week. Do you have one for the Broncos? I, I was going to say you could do Buffs, Rams. You could give the Rams. The tank is back you on. You could give the Rams <laughs> a shout go, out. baby. A shout out to the Rams. Obviously, Oh, a yeah. lot of us here are Buffs fans because we went to see you. But the Rams upset. Uh, yeah, that's how big it was. <laughs> that's how big that upset was. Fresno State. Fresno State. <laughs> Fresno go. State Bulldogs. There we go. Um, 41-31. That was huge for the Rams. So you got to give them a shout out. The Buffs are on a three-game losing streak, and it's pretty sad. So Yeah, but at least they played well. With Montez getting hurt, we now have nothing but backup quarterbacks. I mean, I know Montez. Montez is, is going to play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a warrior. Come on. All right, Ryan. Why did the Broncos win the week? All right. Brandon Allen won the week. Sure. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that nobody in the world is talking about him uh, and no one's really that interested in talking about him, this is a dude who's been in the NFL for four years, has never had a chance to show what he's got on an NFL stage. He has a chance now. Who knows? You know, maybe he goes out there and falls flat on his face. But maybe he's the next Kyle Allen, who's out there in Carolina, oh, you know, wow. strutting his stuff and and maybe becoming a starting quarterback in this league. So Brandon Allen spent his whole life waiting for this moment, and he's gonna get it. Maybe he's the next Marcus Allen. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. maybe he's the next Woody Allen. Yeah. Glad I didn't go with my original <laughs> idea because it was the same thing. <laughs> the next Tim Allen. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <The next Tim laughs> yeah. Could be the next Tim Allen. <laughs> What were you saying, Ruben? <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go with my original idea because I was going to go in the same vein of Vlad Kamenev finally getting in the lineup mm. for the Avs. So we have two different ones to talk about. And Nathan's for sure going to win out of those two. I have, right. to, <laughs> I have to add a little bit. There are no expectations for this kid. Like, he's not yeah, really, he's not going true. up against any, He can just go cut it loose and be exactly the player that he is. And I actually have a weird feeling that he's going to play pretty well. All right. Harrison? Why did the Nuggets win the week? The Nuggets won the week, and I kind of said this earlier, but they have not been playing great basketball. They're 3-1. and one. The offense has been up and down. The defense has been pretty good for these first three games, was terrible last night. But they're still 3-1 and one in proving that they can put a pretty average product out on the floor and still win games against a lot of teams in the league. So they'll round into form, but you know they prove that they can rack up wins and uh, pile up Ws by not even playing their best basketball. And you know that's big for a team at the beginning of the season that's still ironing out some kinks. I like that I get to use my buzzer so much now. <laughs> um, Allie, right. Next week she's gonna be like, "All right, you have five seconds." Right. <laughs> the abs won I the week. That would be pretty that's entertaining. It. Ten, ten seconds. <laughs> All right, Drew. You can you can choose some baseball. I got, yeah, no, I got it. All I got right. a good one. All right, go. Okay, so fans of transparency in sports won the week. The World Series is happening right now, and the umpiring has been so abhorrent that people are talking about the electronic strike zone in earnest. They're talking about all of the instant replay stuff, some of the stupid rules, like with the baseline thing that happened last night. It's got people upset, even the way Dave Martinez has had to act like they've been really good, even though we know they haven't, because, you know, we fear retribution when we criticize umpires. So I think there's real reforms coming for Major League Baseball, which is been the stingiest about all this stuff so if you're a fan of transparency in sports you won the week Allie gave you about 12 extra y yeah, seconds yeah no, I felt I like she liked the argument six. so much She's she like, forgot about I the timer you six extra seconds okay it, as exact as accurate as balls and strikes exactly there we go I was just proving there's a, a grace point. period yeah. there's a yeah all right 
You were right. <laughs> I mean, it's good to know these things. Okay, so I got to read a comment. Bumpy Buffalo commented, haven't commented on this pod yet, so figured I should start as the Broncos pod took what seemed like an eternity off of after the game. So I listened to these, and I have to say, a great job, everyone. More and everyone more and better comments to come. RK, <laughs> ask Mason, Zach about the Jano Wildcat. I would like your opinion. Go Rockies. Uh, I mean, Rock <laughs> go Rockies. I mean, Broncos. I mean, go DNVR. Awesome. Thanks. Jano Wildcat. The Jano Wildcat. So in. <laughs> oh, that might actually be more successful than a Brandon Allen offense. <laughs> Even though I just said he's going to be successful. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, I got to I got to I didn't do this last week. We are doing an in-house um a competition to see who gets the most subscribers and these guys all have their own pods where they get to plug their code all the time and i don't so we're team alley Lindsay's on team alley there's a few of you on twitter if you want to sign up and get a free shirt use my code alley at checkout you should tell them how to spell your name since there's like 70 different ways that's good <laughs> yeah that's, that's helpful a-l-l-i-e but um, that's all we've got for you this week. We will see you all next week.